this may come as a secret to some of y'all and others of you that I have spent more time with. This will not be a surprise. But I hate losing. I may or may not have told people in the past that I am willing to push my grandmother over to win in a game of checkers. I am competitive. If I do it, I do not want a participation trophy. I want to win at everything I do. From being the best at what I do at work to being just everything I want to win at. Don't take me to go go-kart racing because I will put you in the wall. Don't let me play basketball with a bunch of, little bunch of elementary school kids because I will push them over. Don't even let me run around with my kids in the backyard because I can't lose at tag with Zeke and he's only three. I have to win. But you know, as much as I love winning, I hate losing more. And I truly have grew up with the mindset that if you were second, you were last. But you know, sometimes when we respond to God, we respond after the victory with worship. We're conditional creatures. We like the result, and then we give God, we thank Him after we get the result. I feel like I've been stuck in mud for about 10 months now with very few results coming in. And sometimes it gets hard to be thankful to God for what he's given me. I have breath and family and all that, but I'm also like, why can't it just work? Why aren't people responding? Why is the gospel just not the most important thing on people's minds? Why are we not winning? And then it dawned on me as I was thinking about preaching on Thanksgiving, Joshua's story popped in my mind. The walls of Jericho, the trumpets, the marching, the walls fell down and nobody lifted a sword. But y'all are going to be disappointed this morning because we're not even going to make it to Jericho. We're not even going to talk about the actual battle this morning. Because what Joshua does before the battle is more important than the battle itself. What Joshua thinks about God, what he expects from God, how he thanks God, and how he worships God is essential to the victory that he didn't know he was going to have yet. Jericho doesn't happen unless Joshua worships God before the victory. So when I look out at a group, folks, like-minded, and listening online, I think I'm ready for some wins. I'm ready to start piling up the W's again at church. But I know for that to happen, Thanksgiving and worship have to come before the victory. You see, being thankful, it's a product of worship. 
Because all worship is is focus. I think sometimes we get to thinking that worship is exclusively music. But I know people that worship God with every fiber of their being and every talent that they have. They worship God in how they build things. They worship God in how they make things. They worship God in how they care for people. They worship God in how they work. It's just amazing to me that worship or focus is what produces thanksgiving. Unless we see God and we stay right behind him, we forget sometimes to be thankful. And it's not even about forgetting to be thankful. It's forgetting how to be thankful. So here we are with Israel and Joshua 5. They've just crossed over the river. They're in the promised land. They've got nothing behind them. Battles in front of them. All they can see is all the ites are piled up against them on the other side of the river. And they're questioning God. God had just carried them through so much. But listen to this. No matter what God has carried you through, I guarantee you there's something else coming. You see, it didn't lessen the victories that were behind them. And I think that that's sometimes what happens to us when we become conditional thinkers about God, his grace, and how he wins. I think that what happens is, is we forget that the battles that were won previously aren't cheapened by the ones that are yet to come. It doesn't make them any less powerful. It doesn't make them any less important. It should actually give you some confidence that this is how this works. And it should also solidify for you that there are only three positions in life. And I didn't come up with this. Somebody else did. Dr. Maynard did. You're either in a storm coming out of a storm, or going into a storm. Those are the only three positions you have in life. And right now, Joshua and Israel are coming out of a storm. So where does that mean they're going? Into another one. And it would have been easy for one of two things to happen. To have forgotten about the victories that were behind them and get complacent which is what I think the church has done for the last 20, 30, 40 years. I think we got comfortable with it just works, and we got complacent. And then all of a sudden, when everything stopped in front of us, we didn't know what to do anymore because we had stopped preparing for battle for so long. We forgot how to do it. We forgot how to Prepare. Tell me if you've ever had this prayer before. God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to work in this scenario. God does something amazing. Because by the way, that's what God does. It's amazing. We celebrate the victory, which is great. And then we reinforce our conditional nature. We love to worship when we win. And I don't think that we intend for it to necessarily be like that. But there's something greater available to us. 
The worship shouldn't come as just a result of the victory. It should come actually ahead of the victory. So I said you might be disappointed this morning because we're not even going to make it to Jericho. The most important thing you can do is worship. Because it anchors you. It identifies you. If you are not worshiping God, then your focus is always going to be wrong. It's always going to be misplaced and misguided. Worship, by the way, is the only activity that you do that you will do for all of eternity. Nothing else you do goes past this dirt ball that we live on called earth except worship. And what you do in this world is practice for an eternity of worship. So the good thing is, if you don't have it right now, you're not getting it right, or you've gotten lazy and you're getting it wrong, this is the place to fix it. This is the place to work on it. The most important thing that can affect the outcome of a battle doesn't happen in the battle. It happens before the battle. We cruise along, surviving ordeals, being pulled through things. Maybe we experience God do something great. But then our worship starts to slip. Our preparation begins to fail. You should listen very carefully to this. What we think about God does not usually change in the battle or when we're under pressure. What we think about God is revealed by the pressure. That's what's making this such a struggle right now in this time and place that we're in. Because the pressure that what's going on in the world, the changes that have been pushed on the church, they're not changing what we think about God. They're revealing it. And a lot of churches are taking a step back and going, huh, we hadn't thought about God like that in a while. A.W. Tozer said, show me a group of people and what they think about God, and I'll tell you who they are. The single most important thing about you is what you think about God. Because everything else revolves around that. How you relate to him, how you identify yourself, how you relate to the people around you, how you interact with the world, what you think about the gospel, and who Jesus is, is all predicated on what you think about God. By the way, if you only think about him when you're in the battle, you're doing it wrong. If you only think about him when the pressure's on, you're doing it wrong. You see, we see something remarkable in Joshua during this conversation he had with the captain of God's army. No battle. It's actually kind of a quiet day. It's kind of the day that you might just blow right by and go, eh, nothing important going to happen today. Wrong. Those are the most important ones. Because what you do before the battle is more important than what you do during it. The preparation that you take in will mean more to you than anything else on the day that the pressure comes. 
the battle was won before the plan was ever shared because of what Joshua thought about God. We're going to look at verses 13, 14, and 15 this morning of Joshua 5. We're going to start with verse 13 this morning. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Joshua wasn't at Jericho. He was near it. The battle wasn't there yet. The need for a plan wasn't there yet. But the decisions that Joshua made that day with God secured the victory that was yet to come. I firmly believe that if Joshua turned his back and walked away, Jericho's a lost cause. There are no trumpets and there are no walls falling down. I know you've heard this before. But the decisions you make before a battle carry over into that battle. And the decisions you make today, they echo in eternity. The worship that you give God today reigns all the way through to eternity. He lifts his eyes up. Look at that. He lifted up his eyes and looked. I'm reminded of, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. I look up. See, this is what worship does. Worship's a posture thing. It's the way you hold yourself. Not necessarily physically, but it's the way you hold yourself spiritually. Where's your focus at? Is it down on your feet, kicking the dust? Is it on the person next to you? Is it on the problems that are right in front of you? Where is your focus up? Are you vertically minded or are you horizontally minded? Because I think that's an important question to answer. Are you more concerned with what's happened this way or what's happened in this way? You see, he looks up. It's a posture thing. Joshua walks into this conversation with a focus that's up. He's looking for God. He's not, oh wow, surprised that he bumps into him. He sets out looking for him. His posture has aligned him in such a way that it's easier for him to see God and see heaven because that's where he's looking. I hear it all the time. God never showed up. I've heard it. Boy, I tell you, this happened, and where was God? Were you looking? It's hard to see something when you're not looking for it. You know, he told Elijah that I'm not in the fire, I'm not in the earthquake, I'm not in the thunder, I'm not in the lightning. It's that still small, quiet voice. And yet every time we want lightning, thunder, boom, we ask ourselves, man, where is God? Why hasn't he shown up? 
My question is, where are you looking? Because that's what worship does for you. It's a posture. It's the way you hold yourself. It's a place you keep your focus. Are you looking for God? Are you looking up? Joshua was. Worship adjusts your posture to account for heaven. And it makes sure that's where you stay looking all the time. What I find remarkable here too is every time an angelic being shows up in the Bible, almost every time, it's always accompanied by fear not. The angel never told Joshua that. He, didn't, he never had to tell Joshua, don't be afraid. You want to know why? Because Joshua was expecting God to show up. He was looking for God. He recognized God when he showed up. He didn't have to say, oh my goodness, what is this? He didn't have to. Because he had his eyes open, his heart ready, and he was postured in such a way that he wasn't just hoping God would show up. He was expecting it. Imagine how much different your life would be instead of walking around every day and you crossed your fingers and hoped that God showed up and you changed your thinking and you said, I know he is, now where is he? Let me find God today. Because Jesus said, seek and you will find. He didn't say, wander around and bump into me. Seek. That's all Joshua was doing here. He came across the river he goes, all right, God, you've done this. What are you doing now? Where are you at? Because I know you're going to do something. What is it? The church stopped being expected a long time ago. They became conditioned. Victory to worship is wrong. It's worship to victory. Conditional thinking? No. No. Expectational thinking. God, where are you? And you know what? When you worship God, that puts you in an anticipation mindset. When you're walking around, not here just singing songs, this is an easy place to worship. When you got People that lead the music well. It's easy to worship here. What about tomorrow morning? When you're doing your whatever your morning routine is. That's where your focus slips. It's that Tuesday afternoon. That's when your focus slips. Because we associate worship with a place. With a time. With a activity. Singing. Music. No band. No music. No hymns. Joshua was expectant because he had his eyes set on heaven. Worship is not about music, it's about focus. Joshua was wanting God to show up. He was looking for God. You see, when we get the focus on us and around us, you know what happens? We get surprised when God shows up. Oh my goodness, God showed up. Really? You're surprised? He's only been doing it since human beings have been breathing. 
the very beginning of time, he walked in the cool of the evening with Adam in the garden and had a relationship with him. He has been showing up consistently since we have been breathing, and yet we still get surprised by it. Because our focus is wrong. Our worship anticipates God. You know what else I find remarkable just about that first verse? Verse 15 or 13. There stood a man over against him, across from him, facing him. With a sword drawn in his hand. I don't know about you, I see somebody standing across me and they look like they're getting ready to do some mischief. I get nervous. I start thinking, all right. I don't have to be the fastest person in here. I just got to not be the slowest. Like I tell kids all the time, if a dinosaur is coming after us, I don't have to be the fastest. I just got to be faster than you. So I push him over and I start running. That's that whole checkers thing coming out again. I will push you over and I'll start running. So if we ever do Jurassic Park and there's dinosaurs, don't stand next to me. Because if they get out, sorry, I might push you over. Not as fast as I used to be. But I don't have to be. I just got to be faster than one of y'all. And I'll be okay. Joshua sees the sword. You know what he does? He asks for clarity. He asks God. He asks the guy standing across from him. He asks for clarity. He sees the guy with the sword and he said, Hey, who are you? Whose side are you on? Good question to ask, isn't it? When was the last time you saw pressure? You saw the sword drawn standing in front of you. The last thing we do is ask God for clarity in that situation. We ask for a bigger sword. We ask for a big shield sometimes. We ask for their arms to fall off so they can't swing the sword at us. Whatever it is we ask for. But rarely in that situation do we look across and go, Hey God, give me clarity. I want to see this the way you want me to see it. He asked for clarity. That's the other thing that worship does. When your focus is on God, you'll ask for clarity and not comfort. You'll ask to don't save me. Tell me what this purpose is for. When we seek comfort over clarity... We miss God. When we seek comfort over clarity, we miss him in the details. So many people have been missing him because we've gotten comfortable. And instead of being comfortable, we should be asking for clarity. We shouldn't be looking for a way out of the battle. We should be looking for God, how do you want us to engage in? We shouldn't be trying to avoid the pressure. We should try to say, God, get me into the pressure so that people can see you sustain me. Joshua wasn't running. He was not running from the problem that was in front of him. He asked God, he asked for clarity in this situation. It flows out of Joshua's desire to have God show up. 
The only kind of people that ask for clarity in these situations and the only people that have are the people that feel secure. If you're worried about the sword across from you and you're not trusting God, then you're probably going to ask for peace and comfort and protection. The person who trusts God asks for clarity. Okay, God, I'm waiting for you to show up. I know you're going to be here. This, are you in this? It's this you? Are you here, God? Where are you? I know you're here. I'm looking for you. Imagine what would have happened if Joshua would not have been anticipating God. I'm going to guess he's probably just a tad bit jumpy. Everything they've been through, everything they know that's in front of them, they know that there's nothing but battles in front of them because the promised land was inhabited with all kinds of people that did not want Israel there. Sound familiar? A world that didn't want God's people there. Sound familiar? Folks, nothing's changed. The world is not drastically different now. We got Wi-Fi. That's about it. And Amazon's fast. But other than that, not much has changed. The world then didn't want God's people in it, and the world now doesn't want God's people in it. One of the things that has to change is the way that we see the world. We want to go back sometimes. It used to be, it used to be, it used to be. There is no going back. And to be honest with you, to go back, you're kind of thumbing your nose at God because you're not trusting him to take care of the future. You're like, yeah, okay, I want to go back there because I'm not sure what's up here. And God's like, I'm in the future as much as I am the past. Why can't you trust me? Why can't you focus on me? Imagine if Joshua walks across that field, sees the guy with sword, not just on his side, not just with his hand on him, drawn. And he goes and cuts him down. He pulls that sword and he goes... I'm not going to give this a chance to hurt me, harm me. I'm going to cut it down. You know, sometimes we, when we lose focus of God because of the lack of worship, we cut down the things around us that God intended to be for our good. We cut the people down around us that God put in our lives that intended to be good for us. We attack the wrong enemy. We pull that sword because we never ask for clarity and we just start hacking. Verse 14 says, And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? That's a good answer, isn't it? Hey, who... How many times have we heard that question? Whose side are you on right now? If I hear that one more time or get one more email or get one more random text message or random phone call that asks me, I'm going to go live off grid in New Mexico and eat cacti all the time and count coyotes in the afternoon. I'm so tired of being asked. 
But you know what makes me even more upset? It's watching Christians take sides and forget that God has them. Because you know, that's what the captain of God's army says. Joshua says, are you here for me? Or are you here with them? Nay means neither in Hebrew. Neither one of y'all. I'm not on your side. I'm not on his side. I'm on his side. What a revelation. Could you imagine if God's people stopped picking sides down here and started picking that side? Could you imagine what would happen if we said, I'm not for him or for him. I'm not for her or for her. I'm for him. That position might make a difference. But you pick a side here, it's going to get washed under in the next cultural upheaval. Ten years from now, nobody's going to remember. Twenty years from now, nobody's going to care who you picked. But when you're standing in front of God Almighty at the end of time, who you picked will make a difference. So why are we going to wait till then to claim him? Why are we going to wait till then to pick him? How about now? How about today? How about be like Joshua? Joshua asked for clarity. The guy says, I'm not here for you. I'm not here for them. I'm here because of God. We love to take sides. It's what we naturally do. We love to take sides. Worship, you know what worship does? Worship helps us eliminate my side and their side. It helps us eliminate our side and their side, and it lets us see God's side. It's, it becomes less about us and them, and more about him and me. That makes such a bigger difference. If you want your relationship between us and them to get better, make your relationship between you and him better first, and it will make all the rest of them better. And at worst case scenario, it gives you clarity on how you should respond and react in those situations. It's less about us, more about him. You know what Joshua's response was? Complete and total surrender. The victory that was to come at Jericho was surrendered, was secured by Joshua's surrender in this moment. Your victory that you need tomorrow is won in your surrender today. Think about that for a minute. You want a testament to power? It's not about army size. It's not even about how big the captain of God's army's sword was. It's about a God who can take surrender and turn it into victory. It's a God that can take death, a despicable death, undeserved, like a criminal on a cross, and turn that into the weapon that he 
crushes the head of the serpent with. That's power. You see, God doesn't need an army. He has one. I think it's more just for us to relate to because really all God needs is Him. And by the way, all you need is Him. You don't even need the captain of His armies to show up. All you need is to be on God's side. And everything else works itself out. It's amazing to me who picked sides. We need to be about his side, not our side. Worship is the way that we do that. We keep our focus on him. We're constantly able, and we're asking for clarity, like Joshua asked for clarity. We get to see God's side, and then we know to surrender. Verse 15 says, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. Joshua did it. Should, even before Joshua knew, before the captain said, this is holy, Joshua had already began worshiping because it came before he fell down and he worshiped. He didn't have to be told, this is the time that you should worship, Joshua. He didn't need for God to say, by the way, this ground is holy. Take it back to Israel, Exodus 19, where God says, don't let any animal or any person walk on this mountain because if they do, I'll have to kill them because this is holy and they are sinful and you can't cross that line. If you're looking for God, you don't have to be told to worship. Because you see him and your response should be worship. You don't have to wait for thunder and lightning and fire and earthquakes. Because you already see him. You know he's there. You expect he's there. You don't have to be told, hey, now's the time to worship. Your response should be worship but you know what his worship causes him to do he had already fallen down prone on his face he was completely surrendered to the sword at any time the sword was drawn his captain's hand at any time he could have walked up separated his head from his body Joshua's done. Joshua put total faith in this. He put his head down. He surrendered his back to this guy. He put himself in a position that he could not fight back. Not everybody can say that. Some of us wrestle with God every day. And no matter how many times we come back lame from wrestling with God, we're ready to go two more rounds with him tomorrow instead of just surrendering to him. But Joshua's worship leads him to a deeper surrendering. It doesn't lead, it leads him to being prone, but then it leads him to removing the things that defile 
the place where he stands. You see, worship, the continued response to worship is that it should be taking you deeper into surrender. It should be taking you from just, okay, I bow down now to I stay down and now I'm starting to pull the things off of me and remove the things off of me that I know keep me from God's presence. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Joshua's worship leads to continued surrender. And it ensured that God is always revered. So I'm going to be honest with you. I've watched the world. The world bows down to a lot of things. It bows down to a lot of people. It bows down to a lot of idols. But that's not the only surrender that God's people have. You see, we bow down to God, but they also see us strip off the things that make us like the world. We don't get to keep those. You see, that's the thing about the world surrender. You get to keep all that junk you carry with you when you surrender to stuff in the world because they know it's temporary. But surrender to God should be complete. And continued worship and focus on God should lead you, lead you deeper into surrender. That's what makes it so hard for sometimes lost people to see Jesus. You walk into a church, you should see people that are more and more surrendered to God. And yet that's the place where we find the most rebelliousness. That's the ones where we find, I'm going to do it my way. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Not change. When this is the place where God's people should be the most surrendered. You come in, a lost person comes in and they don't see it. They don't think they need to be here. It's not valuable to us. Why is it valuable to them? Worship should leave you completely open and surrendered to God. Completely open and surrendered to God. You can't partially surrender to God. You might as well just not do it at all. Your victory over the enemy is secured with your surrender today. The worship before the storm is what ensures the victory on the day of battle. You want to know how to fight culture and fight the world it starts with worshiping God and being on his side not our side and not their side we need to be like Joshua we need to be not just grateful that God shows up which we should be and we shouldn't be hopeful that God shows up we should be absolutely sure that he will Imagine that testimony. I heard it this morning. Made a prayer. It wasn't, God, I hope you do this. It was, God, do something. Expected that it would happen. All of a sudden, 
God shows up and his people go, there he is. Not, hey, what's going on? Like that old saying, if you tell somebody you're going to church on Sunday and they're surprised, you got a problem. You realize if God shows up and you say you're a believer, you got a problem. Means you're not living expectantly. You're not. You don't think He's going to show up. Stop being surprised by God. But start looking for Him. Eyes up, heart open. Surrender. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, He's here. Will be there. I know it. But it doesn't do me any good if I don't live like it. And it doesn't do me any good if I don't interact with the world like I believe that. Your victory tomorrow is guaranteed by your surrender today. I'm going to pray. And it starts with the first time. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. It starts with that first surrender. But as Joshua proved to us, it doesn't stop there. It's a continual surrender. Worship requires you to be more open and more surrendered to God. We look at Israel and we go, man, they were so rebellious. You can just scratch Israel out and put... We are rebellious. Israel's in the Bible because we are Israel. We are rebellious people. Lord, bind my wandering heart to thee. We are rebellious. You have to surrender to God for the first time and continually surrender to Him. So this is open this morning. Surrender for the first time if you need to. If not, and you have been rebellious, it's time for you to continue your surrender to God this morning. If you bow your head with me. Lord, I'm grateful for this opportunity this morning. I am grateful for the fact that you have already moved in such a way that you know what the future holds. But you care about what we do today. Our victory in eternity is guaranteed by our surrender today. Father, I pray that you would bind our wandering heart, that you would squash the rebellion in me this morning, that you would crush the rebellion in us, so that we can be surrendered people this morning. And so that the world can see his people surrendered. And on his side. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come this morning if you need to surrender to Jesus. Come this morning if you need to continue your surrender to Jesus this morning. Let's all stand together and sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine.
this morning and let you know that we will be here this evening at 6 o'clock to worship God some more. So you're more, welcome, you're more than welcome to join us in our fellowship hall. And I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Hope you bow your head and we'll pray for, for, um, for dismissal. Lord, thank you again for the fact that if we are on your side, victory is guaranteed. And Father, help us to be surrendered this morning as we leave this place. Help us to see like you see. And Father, I pray that as we leave, that we leave with a heart that wants to continue to surrender to you more, Father. Keep us safe and bring us back so that we can worship you here again, but help us to worship you everywhere we go. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Y'all have a wonderful Sunday.